social media never rests, but you really need to. And that's, that's one of my biggest lessons, I think. How was your feeling the first euro or dollar or whatever you took kind of freelancing or helping others? That was freaking empowering. It's so good, right? Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. I reached to a point where I felt like I was disappointing everyone. Like I felt like my clients were disappointed and my my also co-founders or like my job was disappointed because I, I could not give my 100% to either. Yeah. And I felt like also I needed a break. To be honest, I like my uh, employer branding job more than I like my LinkedIn uh, freelancing job. Wow. I think that, yeah, I've never said that out loud wow. <laughs> So here we are, finally, we speak with Lena, another virtual friend that I had for maybe more than a year now on LinkedIn. And I will start by some by telling the, the thing that um, caught my attention the most when we first spoke, which is you were the first person who ever sent me a voice message on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my thing. <laughs> yeah, actually, I started using it. Honestly, really, it built such a such a good connection in like in uh, in no time, right? That no text could have done the same. So it was super, super, super good idea. I really like voice notes because they're so personal, but so many people also dislike them because it kind of has to be listened to in a quiet environment and you can't just skim it, skim through it. And uh, it's kind of like 50-50, I think. Some people love them, some people hate them, but not many people use them on LinkedIn and not many people know that you can actually do voice notes on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah. many times uh, I get the feedback like, hey, I didn't even know you could do this, cool. <laughs> Actually, I think I think it's a, it's it will be an introduction of what we will talk about, which is personal branding in general or employer branding, which you're an expert at, or social media marketing. But this is this is something true. Like even something that simple, like sending a message in a specific way that not a lot of people do it, it could you know link you to a feeling to then a memory with someone, which is a super nice way. What I usually do is sometimes seen as a bit uh, unorthodox but I send random messages <laughs> like I love when there's like something that is in my mind I just send it without thinking that this might be a manager or this might be you know a super successful person or whatever so I love that though I don't think there should be a huge difference with how you communicate with different people yeah we're all just people Exactly. And ex especially when you don't expect anything back from them. Like, for example, today, one of my friends, Nikki, he was he was with us in the Antler cohort of this entrepreneurship thing. Uh, I just noticed that he changed his uh, profile picture on LinkedIn. And yeah. he looks like super professional, you know, on all of that. So I just like I haven't speaking, spoken with him in like four or five months. Yeah. I just send him, hey, man, dude, I love this picture. See you. Bye. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know? And I, I love that because that ties to what you say about yourself on your profile. You say that you are uh, spreading kindness or something. Yeah, like kindness ambassador. <laughs> yeah, kindness ambassador. Yeah. And that's something similar. I'm, I'm saying spreading positive vibes. Exactly. Um, and I think there's so much criticism and negativity in this world. I think it's lovely to get these random messages of positivity so keep doing that you can send them to me as let's well go. always feel free <laughs> <laughs> let's go let's go 100 but uh, thank thanks again for taking the time to speak with me um hopefully in the future i really really hope that we can have more conversations especially with with people like you who are you know genuine and they're like successful genuine and also kind of innovators in their own way where You know, like I've never seen someone making uh, a tree emoji part of their branding, right? Their their business. And like, I remember when you had like the, the green colored, the trees and all of that. It was like, this is super cool. Like, it's just uh, super unique. How did it yeah. start? When when did you, you know, start having enough um, confidence, let's say, to do your own thing? I think we have to go back a couple of steps um, because I it all started because of my full-time job. So um, I started my first full-time job in March 2020. And we all know what else started in March 2020. So here I was, uh, a graduate with zero marketing knowledge starting in the marketing department of a huge software company. And I had no clue what, I, what the heck I was doing. And suddenly I was, I was responsible for LinkedIn. And I literally had put up a LinkedIn profile once I started studying and then never touched it again. That's how many people probably use their profile. They set it up and then they forget about it or use it just 100%. for job searching. Same 100%. Yeah. And then I started really doing like a deep dive into LinkedIn and uh, like heard people here and there talking about personal branding and all the benefits and posting on LinkedIn, I was like, I got curious and uh, started following some people and learned a lot about the platform until I someday decided, okay, I'm just going to try it out. That was beginning of 2021. I'm just going to start posting and see what happens. And crazy things started happening only a couple of months after I started posting. And um, one of those crazy things was that people wanted me to help them with LinkedIn. Um, and the even crazier part is they wanted to pay me for it. <laughs> and uh, that was mind blowing to me because I uh, was in a full-time position. I was like, people, I am in a full-time position. I'm not in a position to, to do that. Um, obviously I can give you a couple of tips, but I don't have any kind of infrastructure to, to, to have clients. And then I was like asking myself the question, why not? And that's kind of when I decided, okay, I have like two or three people who would be willing to pay me to help them with LinkedIn, um, either with LinkedIn workshops in their company or with helping, um, the founders of different companies with their profiles or like individual one-on-one -on -one sessions. Um, okay, let's just try it out and see what happens. And uh, 
the good thing is that I was able to do that while I was still in my full-time job. I went down to 90% and had those 10% in the week to build up my business from there. Uh, good thing was I already had customers. Basically, I had, I had clients without even having a business. So I started off from a really good point. And from there, that was a year ago, a little bit over a year ago. And how the whole Triple L and the tree branding came. Uh, my name is Lena Lata Landgraf, and I've always loved the fact that it's an, my name is an alliteration, and you have those three L's. And people started um, echoing those three L's back to me. I was like, "Hey, Triple L and uh, LLL," and that's when I decided, okay, my company has my company has to be called Triple L. <laughs> Um, yeah, and the tree was basically, has always been my symbol on all social media handles, um, and Triple L has always been my handle on all social media handles, so I kind of kept that going. It goes with my nature vibes, with my Finnish roots, with my love for the nature and environmental preservation. And yeah, that's, that's how it all started. How was your feeling the first euro or dollar or whatever you took? with kind of freelancing or helping others. That was freaking empowering. It's so good, right? <laughs> yeah, that was that was amazing, um, especially because it was uh, a bigger client. So it was, uh, I've worked for that client almost eight hours a week. So mm. that was my first client and I'm still with them to this day. And uh, so it was not just like, hundred bucks which was which is nice it was like a big nice big sum and I was like that's that's nice um yeah every time I, I get like this notification that's one of the notifications I'm super happy about <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't put them off like I I turned off almost all notifications on my phone even whatsapp nowadays but I didn't turn off my bank notifications because then I see when <laughs> yeah not that it's like the most important thing for me but it's still super empowering yeah I think it feels different than having a salary, you know, because like salary somehow it's, you expect that, like you work for yeah. a company, you spend a lot of time and you kind of had a degree to reach to that point or you had experience to reach to, the, to reach to that point. But the first, like when you start seeing you investing in yourself, paying off, it feels like so different than anything else, like at least for me as well. Like the first job that I had, I had in the same kind of situation like yours. A friend of mine contacted me asking for some help. <laughs> and I told him, uh, dude, like this, okay, I can go, I can do it for free, 100%. Like, no, you don't have to pay me. And then he was like, no, but I'm doing it for my client. So like if I'm getting money for it, so I'm going to just share it with you. Yeah. And the, the money, the amount was super small. Like he was talking about 50 euros or something like that. So I just told him, look, I'll do this for free for you. And then you take this amount, you take the, the content that I created, show it to, to your manager, and then uh, talk to your manager, let's book a meeting. And then I can start working with you guys because you cannot do this on your by yourself. Like it's not it's not like science, but at the same time, you, you need a bit of experience into how to create content that is actually nice to read and nice to engage with. And he actually did that. He he, get, he he was honest enough to tell him that this content was not mine and I had a friend helping me. Uh, and he said that uh, if you want, we can have a meeting. 
and the thing that it's super funny like i had the um, back then i had you know like the high the headline of linkedin mm-hmm. was uh, like let's humanize linkedin or let's create content that is more human something like that that it's very fluffy but for me it was personal so i could sell it like i could tell someone what i meant by it. it's not just like copying it for someone else that headline was something that stood out to me because that's one of my missions on LinkedIn as well, to make LinkedIn more human, to build those like real connections and understand that those profiles that you look at are like actual human beings you can learn exactly. from and interact with. And that's why I also use voice notes and videos. Um, so that stood out in your headline. Yes. I still remember that standing out to me. Yes, it was uh, on a path to humanizing the internet. Super, mm. super like fluffy, super random. But the, the, this client, like, he loved it. He was like, yeah, mm. this, is so, this is so true and we need to do that. And, and it's like, okay. Uh, so he asked me for a price and it's like, I have no idea. <laughs> how would it's they harder. know? Like, usually, it's super hard, like, you mm. know, knowing how to price yourself and then trying to sell yourself but not too short and not too much these these things they don't teach them in universities or in school or anywhere like it's super difficult absolutely that would have been so helpful to like some yeah, like, kind of entrepreneurship 101 or something like that. exactly um i actually had the op- option to do that in finland but i didn't pick it because i back back then i was 100 certain i would never found my own company or never work for myself ever and only one and a half years later here i am (laughs) time flies when you're having fun and you're making money (laughs) yeah absolutely but it's super hard especially in the beginning to find the right price uh, for your services you know one thing that i'm very very proud about uh, when I started working with my first client, uh, so uh, we had a price that was super cheap, but it was fine because it was it was he was my first client and I, I was also learning and it was yeah. through a friend. So it was fine. But then one other friend of a friend talked to me and he was like, yeah, I need this much content. And he was like this kind of entrepreneur person. Uh, and I like him. He's a friend of mine. It's just like the attitude was like I gave him a price and I was like, for me, it was a really good price because uh, I was almost working full time with him because he wanted content for three different companies, mm-hmm. right? And like he wanted like a post a day or something like that. I was like, okay, we can do that. And I gave him a price that for me, I would just do that almost full time, right? And he was like, hey, how did you, how did you price that? Like, uh, this is so expensive. If I go to Fiverr right now, it cost me like $5 uh, per hour or something like that. How did you price that? And I'm so proud that I did not, you know, back down or apologize or something like that. I tried to explain to him how I thought yeah. of the content. And, you know, some content needs an hour, some content needs three hours. I don't know. I'm not pricing per hour. I'm pricing for, for the quality or like for the for the output. And then, of course, we did not find a, like a path that we started working together. He, he went his way. He did not produce any content after that. Mm-hmm. And I went uh, working with one client until... You know, uh, I found some other uh, like side jobs and gigs. Um, but one thing that I was not enjoying at all was the loneliness of it. You know? Of entrepreneurship? 
no of of solopreneurship or like of like kind of freelancing for your yeah. own company i never really had that to be honest because i have I've had this like one client as my main client for over a year now. So I kind of built up the marketing department there with them and they treat me as if I was one of their employees yeah. kind of. So I've, I've kind of come to realize that it's so important to me to have this connection. So it's been lovely to get to know all of those people. And you obviously you can't build that up if you just do like a one-off project with a client. Yes. I've, I think all in all, I've had like maybe eight clients all in all. And I think probably 80% of what I've earned is from just that one client. <laughs> yeah. Um, just from my freelancing. But you have to remember that this is still my side hustle. This is not, yeah. uh, this is not my full-time job. But um, but yeah, I can understand if it's more like one-off projects, then obviously there's a lot of loneliness involved. Yeah. Now I want to ask you something that is more reflecting on my personality, but I'm <laughs> trying to to see if if it happens as well. Sometimes when I have only one full-time thing, uh, I have too much free time. <laughs> So I try to find other projects or other, you know, kind of things to keep myself involved and busy. And mm -hmm. I think this is something that a lot of people also have. So how, how, do, you, how do you cope with having two jobs? That is a difficult question or a difficult thing because it's not always easy. Uh, I started my new full-time full job. It's an 80% job. Um, in August last year and worked really well with my freelancing um, in the beginning but beginning of this year it was getting a lot I was like in the middle of a project at my main company and then there was a lot going on with my own company with my freelancing and it was it was too much to handle I couldn't really separate it they Mm -hmm. things clashed and um there were some personal things in my life happening as well at that time so it was quite a lot and I was really thankful for, to um both my company and my like my employer and my client because my employer gives me the flexibility to uh take time off whenever I feel like I need to and my client was very understanding and I decided to take a break actually for six weeks mm. so I took a freelancing break for six weeks and that was really really great actually I was focusing on my main job for for six weeks and last Friday was actually my first day back um, after those six weeks and that was really good I have more energy now I'm coming back so it's yeah it's like I said it's It worked well when you have those like clear boundaries and guidelines and you have jobs that are really flexible and you communicate with both parties and both uh, things very uh, openly. That, that helps to be in those kinds of environments. But otherwise, yeah, it can be difficult. It can be, become too much. And can I ask you, if you had the chance to have the same amount of money doing it with one employer full-time employer doing it with your freelancing or uh, having the same thing as both right now what would you choose 
between freelancing and being employed? Or staying like you are right now, having both and the same amount of money? Mm, it's a difficult question. <laughs> 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 because I'm very much in a phase where I'm thinking about those questions and I don't have the answer right now. Um, I can say for certain that I don't think I'm born to be a full-time freelancer. I really hmm. love to be part of a company. I yeah. really love that. It's that. not. I love to be my own boss, but I have an employer that gives me so much freedom that I feel like I still am. And I'm still within that community that of like-minded people who you can work with and who know you and who you know and you can do stuff together with and it's like both of my environments that I work in at my clients and at my company they're amazing communities those are just like genuinely amazing human beings and I don't think um I don't think I would want to miss that. So uh, my my answer would probably be right now. I love the way that it is with having like the best of both worlds and still also being open to other clients and other projects uh, and having that infrastructure and possibility to take on other projects if if anything comes up because yeah. if one if there's one thing I learned from LinkedIn next opportunity is just around the corner um and yeah. you you never know what might come up yeah i have experienced something similar that uh, i used to work uh for my startup at the beginning and they had also freelancing and i reached to a point where i was not enjoying freelancing anymore you know and i reached to a point where i felt like i was disappointing everyone like i felt like my clients were disappointed and my my also co-founders or like my job was disappointed because I, I could not give my 100% to either. Yeah. And I felt like also I needed a break. But but on the other side, like I was starting a startup and I, it needed a lot of time and a lot of, you know, my full energy. So I just put my uh, my side hustle to, to sleep for now. Sometimes yeah. I get the feeling that, you know, I have some colleagues that needs help with the presentation or with some posting and all of that. And I could help them. I could like, I could uh, spend a weekend working on their project or something like that, get some yeah. extra money. But I knew that if I did that, then the next Monday, I would not have the same amount of energy to full, to go again, you know, 12 or 15 or 14 hours into my startup. So if it was a normal yeah. job, I would have done it 100% because I don't believe that you should give yourself uh, fully to an employer. I don't like I think you should still have private life or you should still have some kind of ambition after work. Right. Absolutely, or or the, yeah. in the days that you're off. But when you have a startup, it's different because yeah. you're building it for yourself. Right. So it's, it's, it's different. It's a different feeling. It's a kind of like the the struggle that you you go through it's also part of your motivation absolutely i felt the same in the beginning i put so much more work in the beginning because it was all exciting and you got to build up like obviously as a freelancer i i wouldn't have had to do all of that thing all, all of those things with like huge like I, I I built up a website because I wanted to challenge myself, um, not because I think I needed one. I still don't think I need it. I just wanted to challenge myself. But 
um, and like setting up all those things um, that made up uh, the business and thinking about I also didn't need a logo but I've always wanted one so I did it anyway <laughs> uh, and stuff like that I spent a lot of time there and it was really fun and I just did that for me and I think uh, a lot of times we try to work on things that we think they are work but in reality they're procrastination but at the end of the day if we enjoy it like for example, a logo or a website or creating new colors for, for your banner or something like that, even if they're not the most productive things, if they make you feel about yourself and better about yourself, then why not, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you, can you explain uh, what is employer branding for a dummy like myself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so everybody, everybody who's listening, maybe for understanding my full-time job or my 80% job at AEB is working in employer branding. And I think the easiest way to describe it is every employer wants to have the right people and good people working for them. And what employer branding does puts the culture and the stories happening within the company and puts them in a package and communicates that to the outside world with the different stories in a most authentic way possible. Um, which means that you basically wanna try to attract the right people and not, not just everybody. The most important thing in employer branding, I think, is to find something that makes you as an employer unique. Like the core things that make you as an employer um, special and what people love about you um, and then put that into stories and communicate that to the outside world I think that's that's what employer branding is about and when you say what makes you unique does it also have to be what people are paying you for what the like, companies or people you mean or... the product yeah like so if I want to start an employer branding campaign for our startup for example right? yeah does it have to be about what is the product about or what is the what we're trying to sell or it could it be just you know our hobbies or our ambitions or our you know motivation i think it really depends let's say you're an environmental startup and you want to attract people who are also driven by that cause then obviously it makes really it really makes sense to build up your employer brand on that on that purpose and on that um, common value that you have. Um, for some companies that might be a little harder because some companies are in fields that many people don't know anything about. So it's uh, it's really hard to pinpoint that. But in your case, you're company is about uh, learning and lifelong learning and AI. So I think that can be a selling point um, and might be super interesting to people because it, it has that purpose and it has that deeper meaning. And that could be super interesting to, to some people. Really depends on what kind of story you want to communicate. What is the line between greenwashing, pinkwashing, or, you know, this kind of using uh, the trends out there versus uh, building a brand that is genuine? That's an interesting question. First of all, I think the biggest challenge in employer branding is actually 
to communicate yourself as an employer in an authentic way so that people don't think it's just blah, blah. There's a lot of distrust between candidates. I don't know how it is in, in Denmark, but at least in Germany, I feel like there's a lot of distrust. When you look at a career website, every every company is, is saying about themselves, hey, we have flexible work and everything is great. And if you actually work in the company, it's like flexible work means, okay, you get to work in your home office once once a week and you have to let the company know two weeks in advance which day that is. I don't know. That's It's a little over the top of an explanation, but you get what, where I'm coming from. So the question for me was, especially in my current project with relaunching our career website, is how do we actually make it believable and because my company is actually really doing a great job and I absolutely love working there but how do you put that um one of the things we did was use a lot of third-party website comments for example because we do have a lot of third-party rating um ratings and those are trusted in Germany a lot more so we are using those third-party comments um to to give us a little bit more credibility um we're trying to include pictures from like actual happenings and not only like staged photos uh, obviously there's also going to be some staged photos um and then really try to put that personality of, of the people and the company everywhere uh everywhere we're going um within our tone of voice and using a lot of examples from our colleagues just one example which is like just really random but we're not just saying you can bring your dog we're saying Kala, Bobby, Sammy and I don't know Hakon are allowed in the office and welcomed in the office uh, and you can bring your own as well and just making it a little more tangible yeah. so it's not like you can just you can bring your dog but also there's four others uh, and five others who are also bringing them and those are actually real like real life examples can so you give me a, a, an example yeah. of uh, a not tangible um, employer branding a company name no 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 <laughs> no 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 i mean like bashing a... on other companies no, employer no, brands. No, no, what do you mean <laughs> no of course not come on kindness ambassador come on <laughs> no i mean an example of a, a, a brand like like a, a branding attitude that is not tangible. I think the perfect example, which is always discussed, is uh, you have a c- competitive salary. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that's like one of the, the classic things uh, that you would you would have on a website. Or like I already mentioned, flexible work or open culture or something. I think it's always better if you don't just state something but actually explain it because then that makes it a lot more believable like not just saying you have a great salary package but like literally breaking it down this is uh you have a main package then you have a variable package and then you have this and this and this that benefit like just making it more believable um and and not just putting up those buzzwords One thing we actually I, changed on our website, we had those like 
we have like it's it's a thing called common ground which is kind of like a couple of page pdf document um explaining what how we act as a company what is important to us as a company um how we want to interact with each other and we tried to take all of that info and put it into like smaller bits and pieces and then it ended up kind of being just buzzwords and then we had to like kind of get our copywriter to like uh change it in a way to make it more tangible again uh, so not it doesn't just say openness and uh something like that but actually gives you a little bit more of a deep dive yeah i used to work in a, in a company when i was a student worker in denmark um it's called trend him right mm-hmm. it's uh it's a consumer like uh, e-commerce company for that they make accessories for men like watches, you know, belts, hats, and stuff like that. And honestly, hands down, they had the strongest uh, employer branding I've ever uh, experienced. What so made it so good? You... So uh, I get excited about that because I'm still very good friends with the, with these guys. <laughs> uh, and I, I told them I told them multiple times before, you have, you know, branding as a service. You have a bass, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's super good. So their first rule is that you can work with your flip-flops. You can come mm-hmm. to work with your flip-flops. And they made it like very important. Like when, you, when you're when you onboarded, they give you flip-flops, right? I love that. Because basically they are focusing on uh, the fact that you should be comfortable when you work, right? Yeah. So you, you don't have to wear like a suit or like a dress or whatever. Just come as you are. And you can even do it in your flip-flops. That's the first thing. The second thing, they had the coolest employer handbook. I've mm-hmm. ever seen. I even have it printed in my home. They they even teach you how, to, like, what kind of gifts do they use in their company, right? So, for example, like, they had examples of, okay, if someone asks you this, this is a good gift that you could send to them. And they, like, have cats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like, it's so honest and day-to-day kind of activities uh, or kind of, like, uh, advices that you could see that they are, they're not doing it to fit into the, some kind of category. They're just doing it because that's who they are, right? Um, and they even like even the fact that they tell you exactly what you get when you are onboarded. So you get like they tell you that you get noise canceling headphones so you can work without anyone interrupting you. You get you know the the, the newest MacBook or the newest you know kind of gadgets because they're trying to push this narrative that we are selling accessories but also we are a tech company right yeah on the other hand i worked with uh, unicorns like startups that are huge and they i think they when they had the the like the the values at the beginning they had it in an honest way right like they were honest values the thing is that these values did not adapt with their new status or new growth. Mm-hmm. So they are still left behind into the startup world and they don't fit into the, the grown-ups or, you know, the, the kind of scale-up world. So one of the values that they had was um, uh, good vibes. So mm-hmm. we, work good, we work in good vibes or like we have always good vibes. And it reached to a point where people were scared to talk about their emotions or to to complain about their job or stuff like that 
because they felt like this is not good vibes. So people were actually worrying about how they are interacting with others because it doesn't fit the, the company values, right? That that can backfire. One one of the things that my client does, they're really um, focusing on core values, and they help startups to scale. Actually, that's like literally their job, um, and they really focus on those core values. And one of the things that they do. Um, might be a little controversial, but I, I, I love it. They have, uh, for each of their six core values, they have a list of cool behavior and uncool behavior. So you have just like a couple of five to seven examples of what cool behavior and uncool behavior um, would be. And I think if a company would list those, then it would be a little bit more obvious what they mean with good vibes. I'm pretty sure they didn't mean that you can't express any criticism or like uh, can't speak your truth. Uh, I'm pretty sure they didn't mean that. So that that could have maybe maybe helped. A hundred percent, and and I and I agree with you, and that's why I told you like I don't think the the value that they had scaled with the the size of the company that they became. Like when you have 500, 600 employees and you have something that is not clear enough, every manager will interpret things in a different way. And if you know one person who got fired because they cried or they they complained, I'm not saying that it happened, yeah. but I'm just giving examples. Yeah. Then you start, you start understanding that this behavior mm. is not accepted into this company as a whole, not as in that manager or in that team. Yeah. So it was very common. Uh, it was a very common joke between the employees to, when someone, you know, is angry or someone is like not having a good day. It's like, ah, you're, where's your good vibes? You know, it's like, we're well, humans. You are like toxic. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I do believe, though, that whatever size the company becomes, I think the core values should stay the same, lastly. But I think you just have to communicate them in a better way and live them out yes. in a better way. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. So in, in our startup, for example, uh, so we are three co-founders right now. We're still, we haven't hired our first uh, full-timer. Uh, when, is that, when is that? Sorry, when is that going to happen? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> No, no, uh, it's gonna happen uh, sometimes after June, maybe June, July. That's our, mm. that's at least our uh, financial uh, roadmap. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I, I really, really like, you know, mentoring and helping people, you know, get in yeah. a better place. And I've never had, uh, I've never managed anyone. I think it's gonna be an exciting learning journey. Uh, like our company is split into three different countries. So mm -hmm. we have a co-founder in uh, in the U.S. He's currently in in, uh, in Denmark, but he's gonna move to the U.S. We have a co-founder in Jordan, who are one of my best friends, and I'm in Denmark. So communication has to be clear. Right? We yeah. cannot we cannot have you know uh, misunderstandings. Uh, so one of the first values that we agreed on when we started building the startup was the fact that we want to have fun. Right, it's like we are lucky that we're not building a startup that we're saving lives or that we're building bridges. So we can allow ourselves to have a bit of fun while we're building uh, Leia, right? Um, the second and very, very important one is that we need to learn. Like we want to learn uh, things that we don't know right now. 
and uh, because none of us has had a startup before so it's like a first uh, first time for any for all of us so as long as you can learn and you can you know expand your knowledge and and develop yourself i think it's going to be uh, like a nice learning journey and the third one that fits into more the product uh, but maybe in the future also into how we deal with our employees and we call it fuck the fluff or f the fluff <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and basically it's we started having this as like a as a, an attitude or a joke when we were building the courses because a lot of courses had you know introductions and you know how to do that and you know a lot of fluffy stuff yeah and when we were trying to test these out with people people were skipping them or they were like getting annoyed by it and we were getting annoyed by it mm-hmm. so we were just like okay we don't want to do that we're going to focus on courses uh, or on teaching things that have a clear framework that we can teach it in 10 minutes or less. No fluff, basically. It's I love the fluff one. I think you could even expand it to how you interact with each other and within the team. Because right now you just gave an example of how you want your product to be. But I love to take that to like the interpersonal level and just decide to cut out the fluff and just be open and honest like you said with each other from the start and just cut out all the random small talk bullshit and uh yeah get real with each other but at the same time you have to have empathy right and sometimes the fluff is seen as the empathetic part like, for example, if you want to give uh, feedback, you have to have some fluff in there. <laughs> I think I'm interpreting it a little differently. I'm not saying that you should cut out, like, the the positive or anything, but just sometimes there's, within communication, especially in corporate, there's yeah. just so much unnecessary, yeah. yeah. Especially in general. that's what I'm... <laughs> I I worked for a French company. I wouldn't know. <laughs> ah, okay. Because like I I remember like uh, I we used to work with a client in my previous job that uh, they were from Germany and we used to have to mention, uh, you know, the title before the name, like sir, uh, ma- madame, or you know, like engineer, yeah, that's very professor. Yeah, I don't work. I don't. I've never worked in a company that's like that. Um, yeah, but... maybe it was like a engineering field that is like actually very conservative, like you mentioned, it was in the energy sector. So yeah, but uh, can you tell me more about uh, your business right now? And also, I'm I'm very interested about hearing uh, in your experience, you have uh, kind of a gap, a period of time where you took it for yourself. I have a gap yeah. in my resume. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> no, I I would love to to hear about that because uh, on LinkedIn you have uh, like a check mark of all the things that you did into this uh, this period, right? Yeah. So that was um, I was really thankful because I was able to have like a two and a half month break last uh, last summer, where between my jobs. Um, my old job at that huge software company, the French one, and then my new job in employee branding. And um, I really had some time to build my business. That's when I did my 
website and I went, uh, I, I did some client projects. And um, so I worked half of the time on my business and half of the time I was traveling. So that was like the best two and a half months of my life. That was really amazing. We were kind of like, I worked two weeks uh, went on workation with my client. We were in Italy um, working in a castle for two weeks, which was which is amazing. Um, and then I went to the Seychelles for two weeks. And then I worked on a video project for a sustainability startup, um, did a LinkedIn workshop with a huge corporation, and then I went to Finland for two weeks. And that kind of, I, I kept repeating that. And um, I learned so much during that summer although it was kind of like a break um that was that was really empowering I can recommend anybody if you have if you ever have the time to take a break between jobs or anything do it but yeah do you think your 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 productivity was the same during that time yeah I would say it was even higher because Ooh, love for it. me at least because I'm in buying that, tickets right now <laughs> I always knew okay I work full really hard for two weeks now and then I'm gonna be traveling the world for two weeks so it it worked really well for me but um it's obviously a special situation <laughs> and I wouldn't want to do that all the time but it worked for those two months um and especially like I had no other projects at that time I was working like two weeks on one project So I had like my full attention there and that's how I work best because what I'm realizing right now is that I'm working on uh, 10 projects within my one job and then five other ones in my other job and there's like a lot going on in my mind and there I had more focus. Are you currently happy in uh, your professional life? Yes, very happy. I found... I have, like I said, I'm living the best of both worlds and I have, uh, I've always wanted to work in employer branding. That was one of my goals, um, to combine my HR knowledge with my marketing knowledge. And now I get to work there. And to be honest, I'm gonna, I've never spoken this out loud before, but to be honest, I like my, uh, employer branding job more than I like my LinkedIn, uh, freelancing job. Wow. I think that's, yeah, I've never said that out loud wow. before. Where's But the LLL? Come on. <laughs> I, I, I'm still super happy with my journey with my freelancing. Um, but uh, right now I'm super, super happy in employer branding. Um, yeah, let's see what, how the future holds. But the thing is social media, it, although there's so many opportunities and I'm really... I, I love LinkedIn, but it has its disadvantages as well. And there's uh, so many pitfalls and downfalls along the way. And you really have to be cautious and aware of that because it's just a never ending story. Like there's always going to be one more post to create, one more comment to put out there, one more uh, like to put there and one more person to connect with it's just a never-ending story and social media never rests but you really need to and mm. that's that's one of my biggest lessons I think so I'm 
I'm being more cautious with how I spend my time there. And I still think it's a huge opportunity booster, especially for young people. Um, there is opportunities, endless opportunities out there if you build up your personal brand. You just have to be cautious. Yeah. Social media never rests, but you have to. I'm going to use this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've put that in posts before. I, I, I use that sentence a lot because it's, it's, uh, it's so true. And sometimes you forget that because it's, that, that's what makes it a little difficult for me because it's not something that you just finish and then you start, uh, stop. It's just always going on and you can't really take, like, especially as a social media manager, it's really hard to distance yourself from it because it's just, there's always more to do and it's, there, there's never going to be an end of the project. And the so, problem is it's also creative work and you cannot have always a creative mindset or mood. Sometimes you're just not there. That's one of the biggest things as well. Yeah. It's it's a, a whole other different story if you um, if I'm actually doing a workshop versus I'm creating content um, because the workshop is already done. I just have to individualize it and personalize it for each company. But otherwise, like the content is done and the the things I want to bring across are already in my head. But if you create a post, it takes it takes a lot of like brain brain power, and it's so fun because you learn how to write copy you learn how to catch people's attentions there's so much amazing things that you learn there um but yeah there's those down and downfalls as well that's why right now I'm, I'm posting a lot less on my personal profile as well I'll have to see where I take my personal profile in the future let's see I think I'm always gonna always gonna love LinkedIn but let's see where I I, I take my personal brand from here and for um my friends that have startups and for us and for me, what are some uh, employer branding advices that you could uh, give us? Use your employees as your brand voice if you can. I think that's the most authentic thing you can do. Um, if you hire really, really great people, they usually know other great people. And that's one of the biggest boosters for your, um, for your company and finding the right people. I think that's one of the the biggest factors, especially for for small for small companies. And then, um, stay in contact with your employees and never stop. I think that's one of the things. Like, keep interacting and asking your colleagues, "What is it actually that you love about working here? How can we improve?" Just keep the conversation going because employer branding, like so many other things in business, it's just nothing like like social media kind of it also never stops you always have to improve and grow as a company and find new ways to um to create this this great culture and i think one of the things is that even the best employer branding person would never be successful if your culture sucks i think that's that's one of the things. So if you don't have a great culture, no employer branding person, they they might do the best campaigns. But if they do that and people start at your company and realize that's just that was just all a lie, um, they're going to be gone again. What about the the other side now? The 
the LinkedIn, the social media, the marketing. You would give it an advice to someone who hasn't started yet creating content, creating their personal branding. What advice would you, would you give them? Follow the right people and uh, make LinkedIn more human. Use, like send a, a message with your connection request and make people feel valued. And I think if you like ask genuinely for help, most people will actually be happy to help um, and be open to connecting with people you don't know because then uh, there's so many amazing people on LinkedIn that you can get to know and like uh, learn from. And uh, so many people just connect with people that they know uh, and they're missing out on so much. I think that would be the, the starting advice. And also, uh, just uh, reinforcing the message that you shared previously, don't maybe overthink it and don't feel like you need to accomplish everything all at once. Social media Absolutely. never, never, never sleeps, right? Yeah, test, adjust, learn, and test again. And maybe fail sometimes and then test again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have to fail. If you don't fail, you don't learn. I think one last thing is uh, don't try to be your the corporate version of you. I think uh, that's that's one of the things that many, many people do on LinkedIn. Um, when do, they... do you need to have two versions of you? I don't think so. See, I, yes, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> myself with the, the, anybody that comes along with some problems because I treat... CEOs the same as as intern, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm always Lena, and I don't talk differently in different situations or write differently. I yeah. I think it's super important to understand the room, to understand you know um, what is required of you, but at the same time, how are you delivering this message? How are you creating these connections? It's you. you. Like you should not change that. Like this is the first time that we speak and I've only followed your LinkedIn. I can almost know exactly who you were uh, by vibes and not by, you know, story or personality, but just by vibes, by following your social media. And I think this is the goal of having a correct personal branding that it should be personal, it should be you. And uh, that's why like it caught my attention when you mentioned like you don't, don't be your corporate self. Like, just be yourself like don't uh, and and if you feel that you're doing things that are not you know correct or that are still outdated or that you're doing it to impress other people then then improve yourself it's fine like we all like have self retrospective on ourselves that sometimes you you said wrong things or sometimes that you were not inclusive enough or sometimes you know you were not um friendly enough it happens to all of us i grew up in jordan and like most of the things that i've learned i've learned after i started traveling right so I, you cannot you cannot like know everything uh, and be perfect from day one but at the same time the core the core you should still be you you should not change that for someone and that's the best kind of feedback that i can get that i'm that the impression that I make on, on LinkedIn is the one that people get when they actually talk face to desktop with me. 
a hundred percent i think it would suck if you if someone told you that you're much more friendly in real life than on linkedin right or or for or other way well. around that would be even worse or, <laughs> exactly you're you're too like your linkedin is much more friendly than than your real life so i agree a hundred percent this has been amazing lena uh, the hour felt like five minutes honestly but it has been really fun thank you again for your time <laughs>